0: Hello and welcome to the Everything Podcast. My name is Pastor Chris Burns and I am your host. I am so glad that you are listening to this podcast. Do me a favor and subscribe so that you get all the updates. And also, if you wouldn't mind uh, a couple other things, uh, share it with somebody, uh, but also give us a rating. Uh, the higher our rating, the more we are uh, able to get reach more people. And so we'd love to be able to reach as many people for Jesus Christ as we possibly can. On today's podcast, uh, I know we're going into the Christmas season and um, I have a, a sermon that I was able to and had the privilege to capture uh, last year around this time and it's by a man um, named Pastor David McGee and Pastor David has already gone on to heaven and uh, this sermon was done uh, back in the late 90s and uh, it was a true blessing to me. And I hope that you are truly blessed by this. Uh, So let's give it a listen, and I'll come back afterwards, and we'll talk about it.
1: The Apostle Paul writes, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be Rich. I want to speak to you this morning for a few minutes on the subject, The Riches Christmas Brings. Would you like to get rich? Would you like to get rich quick? Have you ever found yourself admiring people who just seem to have that Midas touch, where everything they touch just seems to turn into money? I heard about a man who prayed for the Midas touch, and he got it. Everything he touched turned into a muffler. But have you ever thought of the riches that Christmas brings? Here we talk about Christmas, and Christmas is an expensive time of year, and there are a lot of Christmas costs, but Probably those costs are because our priorities are wrong and because we cannot understand the true meaning of Christmas or we don't celebrate the true meaning of Christmas. I heard a parable uh, not long ago of a Christmas story found in the Gospel of Luke. It goes something like this, but sad to say it's true of so many of us. And there were in the same country children keeping watch over their stockings by the fireplace. And lo, Santa Claus came upon them, and they were sore afraid. And Santa said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people who can afford them. For unto you will be given a great feast of turkey dressing, cake, and many presents. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the presents wrapped in bright paper, lying beneath a tree, adorned with tinsel, colored balls, and lights. And suddenly there will be with you a multitude of relatives and friends, praising you and saying, Thank you so much. It was just what I wanted. And it shall come to pass, as the friends and relatives have gone away into their own homes, the parents shall say to one another, What a mess to clean up. I'm tired, let's go to bed and pick it up tomorrow. Thank goodness Christmas only comes once a year. And they go with haste to their cold bed and find their desired rest. Sad to say that is what Christmas is to so many people. This morning I want to talk about getting rich through Christmas. And I might add getting rich in the right way. And getting riches that you can never lose. And if you're interested in that, I want you to pay attention to what I'm going to tell you this morning. As you read the text before us, you feel almost like the five-year-old boy who had one line in his kindergarten Christmas play. He was playing the part of an angel, and his part was to say, I bring you good tidings. He'd rehearse his line several times, and he really didn't understand what that meant, so he asked his mother... And he said, what does the word, what does tidings mean? And his mother said, well, son, said tidings mean news. Well, the night of the Christmas play, it came time for him to speak his line, and he forgot his words there for a moment, and then he blurted out, he said, hey, have I got some good news for you? Well, I've got some good news for you this morning. I want to tell you that you can get rich quick through Christmas. Now, before you begin today dream about bank accounts and thick wallets, I want you to understand I'm not talking about money. In fact, if you'll watch carefully, you will find, you people who win these lotteries and all of these kind of things, that most people who strike it rich quick can't handle sudden prosperity. I heard about a widow's son down in Texas who struck it rich with oil and... For Christmas, he made up his mind he was going to show his mother how much he appreciated her and give her an unusual gift. So he went to a pet shop and said, What's the most unusual and expensive pet you've got? And and the man at the pet store said, Well, I've got a minor bird that's worth $300,000. And he said, It's the only bird in the world that can recite the Lord's Prayer, that can recite the 23rd Psalm, the 13th chapter of 1 Corinthians. (coughs) <laughs> the Texan said, well, I'll take it. I don't care how much it costs. So he said, my mom's worth all of that, and I'm going to send it to her. So he sent her the present. And so he was so excited about it, he wanted to call his mother and find out how she liked her new pet. And on Christmas morning, he called her, and he said, Mom, did you get the bird that I sent you? And she said, yes. And he said, well, Mama, how did you like it? And she said, Son, It was delicious. <clears throat> The Bible says that the coming of Jesus at Christmas made us rich. If you look at this verse, I want you to see there are three things about Jesus. First of all, I want you to see what he was before he was born, before he came to this world. I want you to notice, first of all, the prosperity he enjoyed. It says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich. Now that refers to the richness of eternity past. You see, you cannot really appreciate the baby in the manger until you realize that before he was ever a babe placed in a manger, he was the sovereign on a throne. There are four ways he was rich in eternity past. First of all, he was rich in his person. Isaiah prophesied about the baby born in the manger, and this is what he said about him in eternity past. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. The little baby that was born and placed in the manger at Bethlehem was none other than the eternal God. Now there are some people who want to call Jesus good, but don't want to call him God. But if Jesus was not God, then he was not good. Because the Bible says, Jesus said, only God is good. Jesus, the Bible refers to him in Isaiah as the everlasting Father. He's the only person who was ever born who was as old as his father and yet older than his mother. John 1, 1 tells us, "...in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God." And it goes on to tell us, "...and the Word was made flesh." He was God in his pre-existing, his pre-incarnate state. Jesus was co-existent with his heavenly Father... Long before he was coexistent with his earthly mother. As God, he was self existent. He's always been from eternity past. As God, he was self sufficient. He needs nothing from no one. He has it all, and he is all in all. Jesus was rich in his person before he was born. But not only was he rich in his person, he was rich in his position. More than just being a baby in a manger, he was king of kings and lord of lords. We live in a world, somebody said, of movers and shakers. People are always trying to move up in society. People are are climbing. They're climbing political ladders, financial ladders, corporate ladders. But one of these days, many of them are going to realize that their ladder is leaning against the wrong wall. But Jesus is the ultimate mover, he is the ultimate shaker. Jesus never had to climb any ladder in eternity past. He was already at the top. He is exalted above all things, and all things were beneath His feet. He was rich in His person. He was rich in His position. But He was rich in His power. In Isaiah chapter 9, verse 7, He's called the mighty God. In Jeremiah 32, 18, the prophet uses the same title to refer to him when he writes, "'You show loving kindness to thousands "'and repay the iniquity of the fathers "'into the bosom of their children after them, "'the great, the mighty God, whose name is the Lord of (coughs) hosts.'" But in that preceding verse about this mighty God, he said, "'Ah, Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens.'" and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. There is nothing too hard for you. The Lord Jesus was rich in his power. He could speak a word and the world would come into existence. He was rich, rich in his possessions. Do you know why this entire universe was created? Beyond that, do you know why you were created? The answer is found in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 16. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principles or powers, or principalities or powers, listen to this. All things were created through him and for him. All things were created through him and for him. Jesus in his pre-incarnate state could point to the hundreds of billions of galaxies and the hundreds of billions of stars. He could point to the sun, the moon, to every square foot of planet earth and every person on it and he could say, mine, 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 mine because he had created all of that. But all of that is nothing compared to the wealth that he had in heaven. All of the computers, calculators, and accountants in the world together could not begin to measure the wealth of the Lord Jesus because he has a wealth this world knows not of. In the United States of America, just recently I read that we're the richest nation on earth, and our net worth has been measured at roughly $4.5 trillion. But I want to ask you this morning, who can measure the worth of heaven? Who can measure the worth of omnipotence? Who can measure the worth of omniscience? Who can measure the worth of omnipresence? Who can measure the worth of myriads of angels, any one of them who could destroy the world? Oh, how rich was and is our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But you see, that's the prosperity that he enjoyed before his incarnation. Before he ever came to this world, he was rich. He was wealthy. He had it all. He was the rich God. He was eternally rich. But not only the prosperity he enjoyed, but I want you to, I want you to notice, secondly, the poverty he endured. Even though the Lord was rich, and I mean immensely rich, immeasurably rich, infinitely rich, we are told, and here is Christmas in a line, yet for your sakes he became poor. Yet for your sakes he became poor. Well, how exactly did Jesus become poor? If you have your Bible, I want you to turn to the book of Philippians chapter 2 because the book of Philippians chapter 2 verses 5 through 8 tell us what Jesus did at Christmas. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8. And I want you to listen to what it says. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Jesus, though he was rich in his person, he became poor in his person. This is a reference of the incarnation of the Lord Jesus. It's what theologians would call the kenosis. That means the emptying or the humbling of himself and Jesus taking on the form of a man. You know, to even think about the fact that God would become a man is almost staggering, isn't it? that God would empty himself, that Jesus would empty himself of all of his glory, of all of his majesty, of all of his power. And I don't think there's a person here this morning that's going to understand this until we get to heaven and until we see how much Jesus emptied himself of, and how much he laid aside and how much he, he gave up that he might come and identify with me, and identify with you. It's called the kenosis. You know, it's uh, it's just hard to understand that he who, being so rich, would give up so much. He was poor in his person. He became poor in his position. I told you he was rich in his position, but he became poor in his position. When Jesus came, he could have come as a sovereign, but he came as a servant. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 7, it says that he, uh, he came taking the form of a servant. As God, the world served him, as the, as the preexistent one, the eternal God. But when he took on the form of a man, he came to serve the world. Jesus even said in Mark chapter 10, verse 45, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give His life a ransom for many. I like to think about the night that He came, that He came to this earth, the night that He was born of Mary. He became poor in His position. But when He became poor in His position, my friend, He gave hope to a hurting world. He gave hope to a hurting world because... I can now identify with the Lord Jesus Christ. I can't identify with him in his glory. I can't identify with him in his majesty, in his power, the one who created the worlds. But I can identify with the fact that he was poor. I can identify with the fact that he gave up so much. And I, I can identify with the fact that he had so little. I can identify with the fact that he hurt like a man. I can identify with the fact that he took on the form of a man, and now me being a man, I can identify with him in that. One of my favorite Christmas poems, I read it every year whether it fits or not, and I'm going to do it again this morning, but I think it does fit, that when he came, how he gave hope to those people who had very special needs. The poem says, That night in Judean skies, the mystic star dispensed its light. A blind man moved in sleep." and dreamed that he had perfect sight. That night when shepherds heard the angel's song and moved about with fear, a deaf man moved about and dreamed that he could clearly hear. That night within the cattle stall slept child and mother cold. A cripple moved his twisted limbs and dreamed that he was whole. That night with newborn babe, a tender Mary arose to lean over a stable wall. When a loathsome leper smiled in sleep and dreamed that he was clean. That night within the mother's breast the little king was held secure. A harlot slept a happy sleep and dreamed that she was pure. That night within the manger laid the sanctified who came to save. A dead man moved in sleep of death and dreamed there was no grave. When Jesus came and took on the form of a man, and went through everything that you and I have to go through, even death itself, He gave us hope. Hallelujah. And He gave us an opportunity to look forward to the future because He has come and taken the form of a man. He was poor, became poor in power. And being found in appearance as a man, it says in verse 8 of Philippians 2, He humbled Himself. Now, folks, we cannot deny that when Jesus was on this earth, he had power, miracle-working power, wonder-working power, death-defying power. But I want to remind you that when Jesus came, that power was not power that he had within himself. That power was the power because, see, he emptied himself. And that power was the power of the Holy Spirit that God gave to Jesus while he was here in this earthly ministry. Jesus said in John chapter 5, verse 19, in fact, he said, Most assuredly I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the Father do. Now, before Jesus was born, his power was self-sufficient. His power was creative power. He had all of that power. But when he came to this earth, he became poor, he humbled himself, and became obedient, and even that obedience like a, like a servant. And he did what the Father strengthened him to do. In fact, you read the Bible, and you'll, you'll notice some things about the life of Jesus. You'll find, number one, he was conceived by the Spirit. You'll find, number two, that he was baptized by the Spirit. You'll find, number three, that he was led by the Spirit. <coughs> You know, the Bible says he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. You will find that he died in the Spirit, and you will find that he was raised from the dead by the Spirit. He became poor in his power. He set aside his own power, and he received from the Father the power of the Holy Spirit to do the things that he did in this life. And as that, he's given us an example that if we will trust God... God will give us that same spirit. The Bible says the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead shall also quicken your mortal body. And so we need to understand that what Jesus did, he emptied himself, he became poor, poor for us. In fact, he was poor in his possessions. The Lord Jesus who created everything in heaven owned nothing on earth. From the time he was born until the time he died, he owned absolutely nothing. It's been said he was born in a borrowed tomb. He was born in a borrowed womb, excuse me, and buried in a borrowed tomb. In order to pay taxes, he had to borrow money from a fish. In order to feed 5,000 people, he had to borrow lunch from a boy. In order to have the last supper with his disciples, he had to borrow an upper room. In order to ride into Jerusalem to his own crucifixion, he had to borrow a donkey. There was no room in his birth. There was no home in his life. There was no grave in his death. Jesus even said, The foxes have holes and the birds have nests, but the Son of Man hath nowhere to lay his head. Now you're talking about living below poverty level. That's exactly what Jesus did. And when you stop and think about that, you ask the question, why? And I can tell you in one word, the word is sin. Sin cost Jesus everything that he had. And I'm telling you, sin will cost us everything we have, which includes our eternal soul. Jesus said, the devil is a thief and a robber, and hell is the eternal poorhouse where people spend eternity because they allow the devil to rob them of the riches they could have had. In Jesus Christ. So we see, first of all, the prosperity he enjoyed before his birth, throughout the eternal ages before he was born. But then, when he came to this world, the poverty he endured. But last of all, I want you to see the people he enriched. We've seen the prosperity of Jesus, we've seen the poverty of Jesus. Jesus went from a sovereign to a servant went from being a king on a throne to a criminal on a cross. What was the purpose of all of this? And I want you to underline it. I want you to remember these words throughout this Christmas season because here's the reason. That you, that you through his poverty might become rich that you through his poverty might become rich. You see, riches cannot be bought with a card, check, or cash. You cannot enjoy the things that money can buy until you possess the things that money cannot buy. If you want to know how rich you are, and I've told you this many times before, add up everything you have that money cannot buy And death cannot take away. And that's how rich you really are. That's what you have, that and nothing more. But who are the people that are enriched? Paul said that the Lord became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. Who's the you Paul is referring to? He's referring to me, and he's referring to you. If you know the Lord Jesus Christ, let me tell you how rich you are very quickly. I've told you about the four things You are rich in person. You see, a Christian is somebody who is in Christ and who has Christ in him. Our Heavenly Father once looked upon the Lord Jesus and he said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Well, if you are in Christ and God is pleased with Christ, then my friend, God is pleased with you and you are rich. Do you know what that means? It means you no longer have to live under enslavement of working, begging, pleading, fearing, bargaining, doing good, trying to find favor with God. If you are in Jesus and God is pleased with Jesus, God is pleased with you. Not only are you rich in person, but you are rich in position. John chapter 1 verse 12 says, but as many as received him, to them gave he power or the right to become the children of God even to those who believe in his name. If you believe this morning, if you have accepted Jesus, then you are a child of God. A child of God, and that makes you rich in your position. Stop and think about that in a moment. Child of God? A child of God. I am a child of God. I am a child of the eternal king. I am a child of the one who owns heaven and earth. I am a child. I'm in the will. I mean, I've got, you know. (laughs) Praise God. I tell you, you start thinking about the will. The Lord died. uh, that, That will might go into effect. But then he rose from the dead so that he might be the executor of his own will. And so you know he's going to make sure everything's done right. Vance Havner told the story of having a chorus group from a children's orphanage come and sing for him in his church, and he said that uh, these children, even though they were physically orphaned, spiritually, they'd been saved, they realized they were children of God. And he said, I won't forget the words they sang. It went something like this. From the door of an orphanage to the house of a king, no longer an outcast, a new song I sing. From rags unto riches, From the weak to the strong, I'm not worthy to be here, but praise God I belong. Hallelujah. Because they realized they were rich in possession. They're rich in power. We're rich in power. The Bible says, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. We have that power, and we are rich in power. We are rich in possessions. Let me tell you how much you own now that Jesus owns you. And this is not what I say but this is what the Spirit of God says in His Word. Romans chapter 8, The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then joint heirs of God, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Do you know what a joint heir is? A joint heir is somebody who shares and shares alike. That means that everything Jesus has, I have. That means that everything God has given to his son Jesus, he has given to us who have accepted him as Savior and Lord. Now sometimes we trivialize Christmas and we get it down to where you know, we try to manipulate each other. I heard about a wife who was talking to her husband. She said, Honey, for Christmas this year, let's give each other sensible gifts like neckties and fur coats. Well, I want to tell you, folks, this morning, there's something greater to receive for Christmas. And that is to receive the sonship of the Lord, uh, of God. Because we can accept that through what Jesus has done for us. There was a soldier in the war, and he distinguished himself by bravery on the battlefield. And he was brought before the king who said, ask whatever you will, and I will give it to you. The soldier thought to himself, "'Well, if I ask to be made a general, he'll commission me. "'If I ask him to give me a castle, I know I can have it. "'But I believe I'll ask him for something "'that will satisfy everything I want.' "'So he said to the king, "'Sir, I want your daughter for my wife.' "'For the soldier knew that this would make him heir "'of all the wealth and of all the honors of the kingdom.'" There's nothing better you can ask for for Christmas this year if you've not asked Jesus to come into your heart. Because no matter what else you ask for, if you received it, it would not be worth nearly as much as asking Jesus to come into your heart because when you do, you become heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Jesus to all of the riches of His glory and His goodness and His grace. A great Scottish preacher by the name of George Morrison lived about a hundred years ago. One Sunday afternoon he went to the church before the evening service and he was sitting in his study and he fell asleep and he began to dream. And he dreamed that he lived in a world where Christ had never come. He dreamed that Christmas had never taken place. Have you ever thought what that would be like? Have you ever thought what it would be like if when you had a loved one who passed away that there was no promise of a resurrection? There was no life, death, resurrection of Jesus. Have you ever wondered what it would be like to be sick and Jesus never to have come and never to have provided healing for us? Have you ever wondered what it would be like if Jesus had not come? George Morrison said he fell asleep and he dreamed that dream and he said it was... He awakened and he said he was just so burdened and depressed. But said as he sat there for a moment, he said it wasn't long, and the choir had come and they had begun rehearsing the Christmas program. And he said they began to sing. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. And he said, as he listened to them sing, he realized that Jesus' coming was a reality and how much hope and joy and peace that offered. Friend, I want to tell you this morning, Jesus was rich. And I want to tell you, he laid aside his riches. He laid aside his glory. And for our sakes, he became poor so that now we might have his riches that are waiting us in glory. Thank God for Christmas. Thank God for the incarnation that God became man and dwelt among us, and now we have the hope of eternal life. I want to ask you to close your eyes, if you would, just for a moment. Musicians, would you come? I wonder if there's a person here this morning who would say, Brother David, I'm not a Christian. I've not accepted Jesus as my Savior. I've not accepted... Accepting Him as my Lord, I've not received from Him that eternal life. I've not received from Him the gift of salvation. And I need prayer. Would you lift your hand while no one's looking by that? Just say, please remember me in prayer. I need prayer this morning. I'm not going to embarrass you, but if you could just say, I need prayer, we want to pray for you today. Is there one? Is there one? I wonder if there's somebody here this morning say, Pastor David, I, I have a real need this Christmas. God knows all about it. I feel a little bit like Simeon, and I feel a little bit like Anna, who were waiting for the Lord. And it seemed like in their waiting, surely the years got long. And I'm waiting for my deliverance. I'm waiting for a special need to be met, but I need God's strength this morning to help me wait. Would you lift your hand while no one's looking and just say, please remember me. Thank God for that hand. Thank God for that one. Thank God for these hands all over this congregation.
0: I enjoy listening to Pastor David. He uh, always, um, of the ones that I have captured has always just given nuggets of wisdom and encouragement and uh, he just simply talked today about how Jesus came to die for you and for me and um, gave his life for us he gave up everything to come to this earth just to know us and so that's that's who our God is and that's, that's pretty awesome and so I pray you have enjoyed this uh, thank you for listening. Um, again, I am in awe of all everyone that always chooses to listen. Uh, but if you wouldn't mind, do a couple things or a few things for me. Number one, subscribe to our podcast so that you get all the updates and so that you know that when a new podcast drops, we're trying to get these every week. We've got all the new equipment in, and um, everything seems to be working the way it's supposed to. So be sure and subscribe, and if you wouldn't mind, share with a friend. If this has been encouraging to you, share with a friend. And then also give us a good rating, if you don't mind. Uh, I, I hear I hear people say, give us a rating, give us a rating. I'm going to ask for a good rating, uh, just so that uh, we we are able to get continue to get the word out there. So thank you for listening. Uh, I pray that you have a wonderful uh, Christmas season and with your family and friends and, and acquaintances and maybe ones that you don't know. Uh, maybe you'll make new friends this year and just just love people We uh, and, and share hope. We're in a, a part uh, of time that we've never been in with the pandemic and all the stuff that goes on with that. And we could just really use some hope and some love. And so be sure and share that with uh, everyone that you come in contact with this this season, this holiday season. Uh, especially the ones, the cashiers and the front, front end workers of the re- retail stores and the stockers and all those people. They are a, it is a rough time of year for them and they are doing all they can to, uh, just to keep up. And so, um Just be a little bit extra nice and hopeful to them. And so, uh, but know that we are praying for you, and I pray God's blessings and His favor over each of you. And uh, we'll see you back next time.